Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this is another one of those episodes where I'm on the other side of the mic today. I'm super pumped because my friend Carson interviews me about reflecting on 2018 and what my word for 2019 is. We talk about so much more, and honestly, Carson is one of those friends that are deep wells that you can just go deep so quickly with, and I love it. I know you're going to love this episode, and I know you're going to find her so encouraging and our conversation so encouraging, and I can't wait to share a little bit about my heart with you guys. I love this opportunity for you guys to get to know me a little bit better. So, as always, please screenshot this episode, tag us both on Instagram, and tell us what you loved about it, what was impactful for you. We love hearing from you. It truly makes our day, and it helps spread the word about the Radiant Podcast. So I'm not going to hold you up any longer. Let's dive in. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. Okay. So today I have the great honor and privilege of interviewing my friend and the usual podcast host for the Radiant Podcast. And we're just going to start off by telling people kind of how we became friends, which is a really cool and unique story because it was actually through the platform, the social media platform that you love most, Instagram. So um, I'll just give my version of the story first. My name is Carson, first and foremost. I live in Florida, so I don't live anywhere near Kelsey. I am in Tampa, Florida. But I found Kelsey, actually, Kelsey, I found you back in the day when you had the Radiant Magazine. Oh, yeah. Wow. We're going back. We're tracking back a little ways. And some of your maybe newer um, listeners don't know about the Radiant Magazine. But it was it was a publication that you had where you had writers hop on in different categories and, and write in all different categories, correct? Is that? Yeah. And, and it was it was really fun. That was a fun season. Yeah, it was really fun. And that's how I, uh, Bailey's been on the podcast and interviewed you before too. And that's how I found her. So it, that was just a really cool season for you. But I found you through that. And then you launched your podcast not too long after. And I was in a stage where I was just loving podcasts. I wanted something inspirational, but also I was kind of getting out of the season of like, I didn't want any more like self-help podcasts. You know what I mean? I wanted something really tangible with like action items, but was also inspirational and something I could relate to. And you just interviewed such great people on wonderful topics. You interviewed like dreamers and people who had actually launched things and how they did it. And it was just great. It was super inspirational. And I just like completely fangirled over you. And I loved listening to your podcast. Uh, And then shortly after that, I saw that you were hosting your first Radiant Retreat. And I was like, wow, I have to, I have to go to this. And I have to stop you there. When you walked in, I was like, oh, wow, Carson is cool. Like she's got (laughs) her fiery red hair. And I think you were wearing like over the knee boots, right? No, you were wearing just like a cute mini, like a cute dress and like edgy heel. Like you just looked cool. Yes, quirky, quirky is my vibe. Quirky, cool. Like, cool. <laughs> but yeah, so I went to, I flew out to Colorado by myself. Like y'all, this is how, this is how like a how how fangirl I was. No, get real. And just, yes, you are so authentic and just so real. I felt so comfortable just just investing. And the reason I felt so comfortable investing in you is because I had reached out on Instagram to you about a question I had about one of your your online programs, and you just set up a phone call with me and really walked me through if it was the right fit. And I just had no one really on Instagram, make the time to do that. So I was like, wow, this is like, she's the real deal. She's super authentic. And I just felt so helped. So I was like, yes, I'm going to Colorado. So I went, it was an amazing weekend. I got to spend some really great time with you. I met one of my now best friends. Oh, um, I love her. Elle, yes, Elle Cardell, who flew there from Nashville. So it was just an amazing weekend. You, you exceeded my expectations, not just in your industry, but just as a very authentic and genuine person and now friend. 
So, and now here we are today. <laughs> an honor to hear. Thank you. I am excited for today. So yes, we are going to interview Kelsey today on her word for 2019. And for anyone who just is unfamiliar with what we're talking about, maybe they're like a word for 2019. Why, Kelsey, do you, have you decided to choose a word for the year over like a resolution? You know, I think I started like maybe two years ago and I just wanted to have something to come back to over and over again, like a theme maybe of something I needed to grow in. And so I maybe loosely had one for 2017. And then for 2018, I had the word abundance, not just like financially, but like learning to live with an abundant mindset, learning to see abundance versus lack all around me. And so it, it kind of became like my goal or fixation or theme for the year was to focus on that. And so, yeah, and I'm, I hold them loosely too in the sense of like, I felt like I had a, another word pop up around August of 2018. So I'm like, hey, if another word comes onto the scene, I'm open. I'm a seven. I like more everything. So, but I, I do, I do like that it kind of gives me a practice to kind of focus on for the year. Yes. And I think that really does really show and give an example and a nod to your sevenness because me in my, I'm an Enneagram too. And I'm like, Ooh, you're leaving room for more than one word. Like, <laughs> Oh girl, you pick your word and you run with that word. <laughs> So that's really cool how you just like hold it so loosely. I'm like, man, I wish I could do so. Like well, that. I have to, or I won't do it. No constraints here. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's really cool. I, I too love picking a word for the year and my process is just, you know, I, I pray about it during the, the end, the end of a year. I start praying about my word for the next year and um, just see how it feels and then go for it. Yeah. I, I think it's nice to be able to kind of start setting your intentions and like seeing what God's kind of asking you to step into for the next year. And it's kind of a space for me to kind of get quiet, like you said, and pray and just be like, what, what is kind of, kind of my focus for the year ahead? And I'm not, I don't slow down a lot to do that. So even like having that focus for the year ahead and then in the mornings, really being able to think through like, okay, how do I, how do I settle into this word? We'll get, we'll dive into that, but it, it's fun. I, I really, I really enjoy the practice. It's become something that, you know, I also am able to look back over the year and see how those themes came to life. And that is really fun for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so now that we've gone over why you, you decided to choose a word for the year, let's tell everyone what your word for 2019 is and what prompted you to land upon this word and choose this word. Well, I think I straight up stole it from you. I think, was that your word? Was it your word this year? My word for 2019 is cultivate. I said I wanted to cultivate new rhythms um, and that's yeah, my word. Yes. Yes. I said I wanted to cultivate new rhythms and then you just kind of fell in love with rhythms and I was like, wow, that is a great word. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think 2018 was a year of a lot of abundance, but also a year of curveballs. It was a really good year and a year of relief for the first time in a long time. You know, it's like year three of my business. I was like, more than ever, Lord, bring the abundance. I need some abundance. Life is, life is, I need some, some easier seasons. But then towards the end of the year, there are just some curveballs and it made me realize that we're not immune from pain and life is not going to slow down. It's going to get busier. I don't have kids yet. It's going to get busier when I have kids and I want to learn to thrive in every season. And I think that's through creating rhythm. So if life is really full, if it's going really well financially, I want to have rhythms that also allow me to appreciate that season. If life is stressful or a little bit leaner, I want to have rhythms that help me to not only just fixate on the hard parts, but to enjoy the day. I really, truly want to set aside time and get new habits, new routines, new rhythms so that I can thrive in every season. Wow, that is so, so good. I think that can apply to, I mean, even if our word of the year isn't rhythms, it's important for us to sit down and with with this past year in mind and just be like, okay, 
what worked for us, what didn't, what new things maybe are are going to come up in our lives in 2019. Maybe we're planning on starting a business. Maybe it's a family. Maybe we're going to go try out a new church. Maybe we're lacking in some area. And the way that we change, we really change that area is not just by being motivated to do it, but setting like very tangible rhythms for those areas and letting, letting things flow from there and just having the determination to see them through. So I think that's really cool that that is your word. And it's just, it's so important in all of our lives to cultivate those rhythms. Yeah. I, I seriously, when you said it, I was like, that's my word. I just want to learn to to really thrive in every season. And I think I'm not the most structured person. I tend to live life with a lot of fluidity. I'm not that rigid. I like freedom to move around and shift and change. But, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people who are kind of graduating to the next season of life of like, okay, we're adults. Like we have a business that's like making money and thriving, but like there's no way to steward this living life totally unhinged and boundaryless. And so like the reality is, is for me to be happy and thrive carrying this stuff, I probably need to get into rhythms and routines. So that might look like, I hate having a really rigid schedule, but that might look like scheduling, okay, this is my quiet time in the morning. This is my workout time because without this stuff, my body is going to tank. I'm not going to feel well and I'm not going to be able to steward my calling to the fullest potential. So I think kind of that realization hitting me and, and having that conversation, I have a friend who has a startup and, you know, it's, you know, he has seven employees. They got, they got funding, but it's a lot of pressure. And he was like the only way for me, you know, to thrive carrying all of this and is to get into a pretty regimented routine. And and that is everything I'm not. And so, and and that for, he was saying that and I was like, wow, you know, I I think that's very telling of like, it's really nice when you kind of start your own business or start your own kind of dream. You're like, woo, total freedom. I don't have to answer to anyone. I have, I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And then kind of you like explore that for a season. Then it's like, okay, time to like circle back and get into some routines and, and for me, rhythms, you know? Oh man, I can relate to that. I can, I just feel that. I feel that so hard because that was, that was me this year. Um, just kind of, I, I broke away from my salary position and I freelanced myself, which means I got to be my own boss. And while a lot of people might have the, and this doesn't just apply to business owners, entrepreneurs, dreamers, but you know, when we have freedom in one part of our lives or like we feel like there's this big sense of freedom. We soon learn that that freedom no is no longer freeing because unless we develop rhythms, it kind of owns us, you know? So that is, that's super important too. And the reason my word is um, cultivate, which just matches yours so perfectly is because just like you were saying with, you know, boundaries and and routines, I have, I'm an Enneagram too. So boundaries is something that I struggle hardcore with. And this year just really revealed to me that I had such a lack of boundaries. And I looked back and I'm like, wow, I learned a lot, but next year is definitely a year of cultivating. So just like tearing down my, my, I guess I've been really consistent at having no boundaries. So I'm tearing that down (laughs) and I'm cultivating new rhythms. So that's, that's really, really cool. Well, okay. So you mentioned that um, you mentioned a bunch of different areas where rhythms uh, can really be beneficial to us. So I'm just going to ask you a few categories that I feel like applies to everyone's life and what it would really look for you to implement new rhythms in these areas and maybe just encouraging someone else to try it in their life, in their season two, if it applies. So the first one is, what are some new spiritual rhythms that you are going to implement in 2019? Or maybe you've had some really great um, rhythms this year that you're just going to carry on into these areas. Yes. So this is actually an area where I totally went like unhinged, no boundaries, no borders 
for the past few years. And I think that was good for me. I can become very rigid under stress. And I think my relationship with God for a long time was reverting to like, gotta be a good girl for God. I did not grow up in the church. So I learned a lot of these habits actually as an adult. And so if I didn't have my quiet time in the morning that looked a certain way that was sitting still long enough, you know, I felt guilty. And so the last few years, I think God kind of invited me into a season where he was like, hey, it's okay if your quiet time looks totally different. For a long time, I was so manic with how overwhelmed I was with work that I couldn't sit still at home without wanting to work. And so my quiet times were car rides. People know my deep love of car rides. I put like 90,000 miles on my car in three years. It's crazy. My husband's car is like 10 years old and has less miles than my three-year-old car. So a little bit frivolous, but it helped me with my sanity because it's the only time I could sit still really, which again, that speaks to probably the craziness of my soul. But I really found that that is what my quiet time looked like over the last few years. I really couldn't sit down. I wasn't reading my Bible as much, which is fine. You know, I I was spending time with God. I was in the Word some, just not like it wasn't as rigid or regimented as it used to look. And I think God allowed me to kind of unpack that because it doesn't have to look so regimented. It's the one area of life that I really applied that methodology to. So that was good for me, but I've lived kind of like not disciplined at all. And again, I think that was purposeful and in a good season for me, but I've kind of felt like invited into kind of restructuring a little more discipline, not, not going back to like my regimented, it has to look a certain way, but also like, you know what? I really enjoy my day more if I wake up and I have even 20 minutes to sit down, journal and read and pray. And so for me, especially in a season that's had a little more anxiety than other seasons, a really a, a way I've really enjoyed spending quiet time and getting in a rhythm has been, you know, starting my, my journaling with practicing gratitude. So writing everything I'm grateful for that day and then writing down. So I kind of have grateful for, believing for, and remembering. And my believing for section is everything I'm kind of believing and praying for God to work in. And he might answer it in a way that looks different than I expect, but I'm at least going to write it down. And then like a piece of scripture that I'm kind of memorizing at the moment or really leaning on um, that really reinforces what I'm believing for. And so that is very simple. It probably takes five minutes, but I find that if I start my quiet time with that, it helps me kind of get into a groove. I think I used to think my time with God needed to look like a full hour. It needs to look a certain way. And if it's not that way, I feel guilty and like I didn't complete it. Very weird relationship to that for as not type A as I am. It's just a weird space I applied that kind of that line of thinking to. And so it's been nice to kind of have a regimented routine, totally ditch it and come back around to something more moderate. (laughs) Yeah, that is so good. And I, I totally relate. And I think a lot of people relate with you there. I've heard so many people say, you know, unless their time with God looked a certain way, they feel like they didn't really complete it. And I think, you know, their, you know, rhythms are going to look different for everyone. So that's really awesome that you are just aware, aware of that and giving yourself the freedom because I think he wants us to be creative in, in the rhythms that we create in order to spend time with him because we're, we're all so different. So I think that's really, really cool. And also just another thing that you pointed out that I think would, is really helpful is that you take the time to like journal and write down different things so you can see if those prayers were answered, if anything changed and to see maybe later in the year, like, is this rhythm? I'm working for me? Do I need to pivot? Do I need to change something here? Am I enjoying it? And that allows you to give yourself the freedom to know that you can. I was reading this book my aunt gave me about like praying for your husband or something. And there's like a system, the author, it's really short. It's by Mark. I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it. The guy who wrote Purpose Driven Life. And um, he has a way of denoting prayers that have been answered. And I liked that. And so I think I'm going to try to denote like, oh, this is what God did with this prayer. It might look totally different than I expected, but here's how it kind of came full circle. And so I really, I really enjoyed that. And I've been dating it. And again, it's like one page. I'm probably not going to sit down and like pour my heart out on paper for six pages like I did in college. But, you know, it's been a great way for me to process. And first I focus on gratefulness. Second, I'm focusing on hope. 
And third, I'm memorizing scripture. And so I, I feel like it's just a system that works for me. And so, and, and lastly, kind of in that line of thought is, you know, with how rigid I was initially, you know, probably through my college, high school, college, post-college years, before I kind of like threw my rigid routine to the wind, I remember sitting in a Bible study and hearing a mom being like, God is fine if I can't squeeze in a full hour because my kid is literally coloring on my Bible, you know, like while I'm trying to read it. Like there's going to be seasons where you can't sit down and I don't think God's mad at you. Just like, you know, even if, even for those listening, if you feel like you didn't have good parents, we all know what a good parent looks like, at least from movies. And we know that like a good parent is not going to sit down and be like, you have to spend time with me in this really regimented way for an hour in order for it to count as quality time. No, that would be a crazy thing for a parent to expect from their child. And if we are like sons and daughters of God, like he's delighted to spend time with us. And so I've really had to lean into that because I had such a weird, you know, it probably goes back to whatever I was believing about the character of God at the time, but I had a weird system of how I spent time with him. And now I'm kind of like, loosen it up. Yeah. I mean, today I curled up on my couch. If I'm just being totally honest, I, I do a seasons of soap journal, which is just like a Bible study method to help get me more um, organized in the way that I spend time in the morning. And I haven't done it for, for the last three days. And I sat down this morning feeling kind of guilty. And I'm like, man, this isn't for God. Like this is for me, you know, like I spend time with him because it benefits me. It doesn't benefit him. He just loves that we spend time with him, you know? So just having the freedom. And again, like, I do think it's so cool that you're just flexible with your rhythm. But, you know, just for me in my season, I chose kind of like you more of a structured study because I feel like my mind is so all over the place right now that to just sit to sit down and be able to like fill out things while being intentional is so helpful. <laughs> Well, that is so, that's so awesome. That, that was really good. That was really good. Second rhythm that I wanted to talk to you is how are you developing and implementing mental rhythms in your life? And I know that you've talked on your podcast quite a bit this year. You've shared about, you know, working with Catherine Toon and I got to meet Catherine Toon and I got to work with her for a period of time just by meeting her through your Radiant Retreat wow, is she phenomenal? Like that woman is real deal. Just like, yes, amen, all the things. But as an Enneagram 7, and you've talked about that as well on here too, Enneagram 7s, their main, you know, goal is to avoid pain at all costs. And you've done some really serious uh, self-work in the last year, which had to be pretty difficult for you to sit down and do so. What are some mental rhythms that you've learned and that you're also going to implement next year. Oh, man, so much. We were just talking about this in the sense of like, man, like facing your pain is really hard. If I can do it, anyone can, because let me tell you, I am totally averse to facing pain. It is not fun. It's actually pretty miserable. But the flip side is living in permanent misery from not dealing with it. So whoa, pick your poison. But but in all honesty, you know, like dealing with your pain, it's 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 painful in the in the temporary short term, but there's so much freedom and fullness on the other side. So sometimes I actually feel super impatient when someone sits in their pain and repeats it over and over again. And I'm like, awesome, what are you going to do about it? I did hear in a podcast sometimes that sevens can't understand why people won't choose to get out of pain because I would, even if it requires me literally working my tail off. And so I sat my butt in the chair every week for a while with Catherine Toon. And she's been on the podcast. Y'all should check out her episode um, I truly feel like I was supposed to move to Colorado to meet her and to work with her. She's just changed my life. And so for me, it's often going back to like limiting beliefs and they creep up. It seems like you learn the same lessons over and over again. So one being I'm responsible for everyone's happiness and no one will take care of me. So I'm also responsible for me. And so I see that message reinforced over and over and over again. And I have to choose to instead, when I when I catch myself going there of believing that, say that's not true. Like God has God will take care of me. A, 
Um, and I need to remember our history together of like, he's taking care of me in this situation, in this situation, over and over and over again. So looking back over my history with God, also look at the people that have stepped in and, and cared for me when I maybe couldn't care for myself or, you know, needed someone to lean on, like my husband, like my incredible friends. And so I I think when you, first you have to identify limiting beliefs or lies in your life. What are, what are those things you keep going back to that aren't true? that are a lie from the enemy and then uprooting them. But they'll try to creep back in. So finding, you know, the counter to that truth, like what does God say about this? And every single time that lie tries to creep back in, replacing it with truth. And that's hard, you know. For instance, this season has been a lot of fear of what's next. And I a fear I picked up as a kid was, what if the rug is pulled out from under me? What if it all falls apart? And I think a lot of small business owners will relate to this because it's a roller coaster. There are there are seasons of abundance and there are lean seasons. And so I think, you know, for me, when I go back to the fear of what if the rug's going to be pulled out from under me, I have to be reminded of the truth of look how far I've brought you, Kelsey. Like I've never let you like fall apart. Like there've been hard seasons, but I've always taken care of you and the rug's not going to pull, be pulled out from under you. So like I am very much daily practicing these rhythms and it's truly going back to the truth versus buying into the lie. I am so glad that you chose specifically to talk about limiting beliefs and just how you just some action steps to walk through those because that was honestly going to be my question for you. I'm actually speaking on the topic of limiting beliefs next week and I was like, oh, let me see how she does this because I and you, you might totally agree. I am, I'm a big believer that our negative mindset will kill, steal, and destroy more of our dreams and our potential than a lack of knowing how ever will. Oh, you know? so, 100%. That's a good word, sister. <laughs> <laughs> so that it just, it really frightens me um, when I catch myself. It frightens me in like a good way, you know, um, when I catch myself just having a really negative mindset because yes, being, um, being a small business owner, stepping into that realm, trying something new, whatever it may be that you're doing, limiting beliefs follow in our humanness and, you know, in our flesh. And we have to know how how to take those things captive. Oh gosh, I can't remember the exact verse, but you know, it says take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, which like not just mean, it doesn't just mean notice when you're having that bad thought and send it away. Like, the verse says, take it captive, like interrogate it, like it's your prisoner. So when you have that really negative thought or limiting belief pop up in your head or in your life, whatever you might be doing, just being like, okay, like, where is this coming from? Does it belong here? Why am I feeling this way? And then you pointed out, you know, writing down truth to combat that and just always going back to that and reminding, and it's not just going to take one time, you know, you're going to come to that. There's times when I'm like, man, I've conquered this limiting belief. I don't have this mindset anymore. And then I jump into a new venture or I, or I, you know, start something new and it comes back in a different way. And I'm like, man, we have to deal with this again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like so, you graduate to a I've, I've had this kind of phrase said to me a few times lately, like new levels, new devils. Like you kind of literally graduate to learning the same lesson in a harder expression. And, and never before has the scripture of like be transformed by the renewing of your mind been more important and valuable to me because it's an, op it's an opportunity in this season to buy into the lie that it's all going to fall apart or to truly be transformed by renewing my mind to the truth of who God says I am and what he has for my destiny. And so it's freaking scary. It's costly. There's a lot on the line. You know, I think sometimes people might listen and be like, oh, Kelsey, you're lucky. Your business is thriving. You've got this social media following. No, no one is immune to pain. Everyone has pain or hardship in their life. And, you know, it might not always be fitting or appropriate for me to throw it all out there in this in the guise of vulnerability or authenticity. So like every single person we're looking at on social media is, is navigating something. And so I think it's just really important to remember 
Like we're all going to go through seasons. Maybe you're in a good season and celebrate it. Eat it up. This year has been a good one for me. It's been relief after some hard years, but then, you know, in the, all of a sudden you can kind of get a curveball thrown at you. And, and at that point you're reminded, okay, like God has good things for me. I don't mean that in the sense of like a prosperity gospel, but I'm a ch- I am a daughter of the Most High King. You better believe he has good intentions for me. And so like, I'm going to believe that even when it's hard and even when it costs me a lot to believe it. You guys need to rewind what Kelsey just said. Listen to it five times. <laughs> um, no, that was so good. And while you're speaking about how you're not immune to pain, you know, Jesus wasn't immune to pain either while he was here. He had to endure the, the worst possible circumstances for us to even be able to receive abundance on this side. So, you know, I'm always reminded, like, why should I be immune to that as well? You know, like we have to expect that there's going to be hard things that we overcome in every season, but just having, I love, one of my favorite things about you, honestly, is that you are so adamant, I don't even know if you realize that you do it, about being authentic, sharing where you are, and I know authentic is so overused these days. I totally get it. But guys, I I would not. I mean, I became friends with her over social media. Okay, she's a real deal. <laughs> but you're also so good about sharing like action items and tangible steps. And I think that's really awesome because, you know, people can share their story all day long. But I mean, you, you give really good tangible steps about how to overcome these areas as well for other people. So... Thank you for doing that. Thanks, um, thanks for having this conversation with me <laughs> and listening to my long voice memos when I send them to you. Dude, voice memos are my love language, okay? I um, love them too. I think I literally me. cried in a voice memo and I, I this month has been such an interesting month that I've been like, whatever, I'm letting it all hang out. I'm just sending yeah, my I'm just sending my voice memos as is to my friends and they're just gonna get it all. Yeah, voice memo is my love language. I will always respond. Text me 25% response rate. <laughs> um, but okay, so we're going to move on to the next one. And I think you kind of touched on, but you can just share a little bit about how you might be implementing physical rhythms in, in 2019. And so I, I specifically chose spiritual, mental, and physical first because I am a big proponent, again, learning from lack of boundaries here, that if we do not take care of our spiritual, mental, and physical selves, we we can run uh, really fast for a short, short amount of time, but we burn out really quickly in all areas that we're giving to, and then we kind of have nothing to give to anyone. So I really wanted to touch on these three topics first. So physical, what are you going to do for your physical? Well, you went easy on me with mental and spiritual first, because we all know physical is my lacking area of life, but it's okay. It's all good. We're all growing. But you know, this year I really realized, I think probably it started after I had shoulder surgery in 2017, I realized, oh my God, I never want to not steward my body in a way that causes it to be limited later. Now, if something comes up, I'm going to make the best of it. And I know that plenty of people are living with physical limitations every single day. And I have so much respect and compassion for them. And for that, I, I just don't want to not steward my body well by not moving, by not being active, and then cause limitations because of that. And so during my surgery, even though it's nothing I caused other than being super flexible and my arms just falling out of their socket, I, afterwards the recovery was awful and it was really scary for me to be that limited. And it made me face, okay, like, how am I going to steward my body in a way that, you know, makes the most of what I do have and what I can control and, you know, basic, essentially stewards my health for the long haul. And so I have been on and off, you know, I've not been perfect. Honestly, I feel like I show up to a workout class like once a week, but guys, that's better than none. And hopefully I'll get to, to twice and then three times a week over the course of the year. And so I'm trying to show up. I'm trying to move. You know, if I'm not at a workout class, I try to walk you know, around my neighborhood with my husband and my dog. We really enjoy that. Like just trying to move because my job is at home. Like it's sedentary. And so I I do really like how I feel. I hate working out. I do not like it. I wish my parents would have made me do like team sports so that I at least got used to like conditioning and didn't hate it, but I do. And so, you know, it's never going to be like fun and thrilling for me, but 
I have the opportunity to do it. One of my friends here in Colorado owns a Pure Bar studio. I can go to Pure Bar anytime I want and I need to take that opportunity and steward it well. And so it's not my, it's not my strongest suit, but I do like how I feel after I do it. And I like myself better when I'm regularly moving. Like I'm more in the sense of I just, my endorphin, like I feel better. Like I feel better about the day. My anxiety is a little more under control, all of it. So that's something I'm working on and probably the weakest area of my life, to be honest. Hey, that is fine. At least you're aware of that and you're totally, you totally are just accepting of it. So that's, that's awesome. And one time, one time a week is way more than none at all. You know, I used to be very rigid in just the way that I treated my body. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, I was like, man, if I don't work out five days a week, what am I even doing? Like, it's not even worth it. So I had to really retrain my mindset just as, you know, life gets busier, you get married, more gets added to your plate. And you're like, man, breaking out five days a week isn't realistic for me. Maybe three times for 45 minutes is great right now, you know? So I really had to train myself the opposite way, but that's awesome. And yes, Griffin is amazing. Um, (laughs) She, she, every time I'm like, I'm coming five days a week. She's like, why don't you start with two or three? Like set a tangible goal. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be there five times. And so I've I've been working on it, you know, (laughs) go big or go home yeah I'm like I'm doing this thing but you know just just starting smaller this round so um and I I have been there once a week at least and hopefully I'll move into the twice a week category (laughs) after the holiday (laughs) well we're rooting for you you'll have to keep us updated on that and I think that's really refreshing to hear because I mean I'm sure a lot of people are going into 2019 new year new me going to sign up for that gym membership and want to get there five days a week as well and really make some big changes, but it is better to start off small and add to your plate than to put all of it on your plate, have super high expectations of yourself and be like, well, this rhythm isn't working. So I'm just going to kick it to the curb. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like, okay, something is better than nothing. And then hopefully I can progress and do a little something more and a little something more. And I do like I, my husband and I say this all the time, like, We are clearly making time for other things in our life. Like we feel overwhelmed and busy and it's really easy to be like, well, I'm just so busy. I can't. But the reality is, is like I'm finding plenty of time to binge watch Netflix. So like if that's the case, I could just like reposition like an hour and a half of my time to get to the workout studio, do the workout and get back. And I'd like my day better. So like I'm going to do that even when it's inconvenient. It's not my most fun thing, but I'm going to do it. Are you a morning workout, middle of the day workout kind of gal since you do have like a sedentary job? I think I told myself, oh, like I'll I'll wake up in the morning and be like, I don't have to go. Like I'm, I'm not a morning person. Like I love to read and have a really slow morning. But if I plan it for later in the day, it's the first thing to get canceled when a coffee day or a meeting pops up. And so I think I've realized that just need to be at the 8.30 or 9.30 class no matter what. And I try to not, I schedule most of my meetings for 11 onward anyway, so I can do it, you know, like I can. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of, I try to preach to myself of getting those big rocks in first, because once you get the big rocks in the list, so like picture a jar and you have like big rocks and little rocks in your day. But once you get the big rocks in the jar first, then the little rocks can go in. But if you start filling your day with all the little stuff first and put off like the big things like working out or, you know, whatever your big thing is, and it's harder to get those things in the jar. That's good. Yep. I'm going to get my big rocks done first uh, in 2019 because I, yeah, it's the first thing to go. So just trying to really like pick up on how, how I'm going to function, what are my patterns and work to work around that because uh, the four o'clock class is rarely going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Yes. I feel that. Okay. We got spiritual, mental, physical. Now let's talk about one that may or may not apply to everyone, but is super, super important, especially for any, I'm, I'm sure a lot of business owners, um, dreamers, Enneagram 7s, Enneagram, any, any Enneagram that is super like work and success driven. Let's talk about the importance of setting marriage rhythms. 
Yes. Okay. So this is probably for me and for my husband, probably something we got, have been really weak in and have gotten into the swing of four year four. <laughs> um, really we celebrate, we've done four full years together. So year five. <laughs> and so we're in year five. My husband has been in college, our whole marriage, and I started a business. So as you can imagine, we have been busy. I hate that word because busy is relative. Like life's always going to be busy. If we think we're busy starting a business and going through school, like we're going to feel swamped with kids. So that's all relative. But needless to say, you know, he goes to work, comes home, does homework till midnight, rents repeat. I am a little bit compulsive. So for me, I really started with some bad habits of working like 80 hours a week. And so I think we kind of woke up this year and realize, oh, shoot, like connection doesn't just happen. And it's really easy being married to slip into living like roommates. And I think for David and I, the friendship part has always come easy. It's the connectedness. And I, I think every marriage is going to have different challenges. So for some of you, y'all feel really connected, but you might feel smothered. <laughs> that literally, we have these conversations with our friends all the time. There, there's trade-offs for everything. And with us, we are really independent. Like we both travel. We, we have a lot of fun. We're really fine doing our own thing. And we like that. But the cost of that is sometimes, the cost of that is sometimes, just a, we can we can fall out of connectedness because we're not intentional, and so you know we we have to be really intentional to steward that and to cultivate that. So for us for 2019, we really sat down and we're like, how are we going to be intentional? You know, like life is busy, life is going to happen. The end. So you know, we try to wake up and go on morning drives. I'm like, David, I, for him, he's pretty spontaneous, even though I'm like the free spirit and the dreamer, he's a little more unplanned than me. And so I'll like have plans to work and he'll be like, you want to go for a morning drive? And I'm like, okay, I can get, I need five days a week that I can work like eight to five and not feel bad for not spending any quality time in those days. And if you want one of my two days off to be on Tuesday versus Saturday, because you're going to be working on Saturday, then that's fine. Just tell me ahead of time. We have to plan a little more because his schedule is not set and neither is mine. It, they both fluctuate each week. And so just being intentional to do little things like getting a coffee and going for a drive on a morning. That's one of our favorite hobbies. And, or, you know, to take, you know, a night and make dinner and maybe go to a movie or get out and see friends because we're both major extroverts. So really just being intentional to get something on the calendar. It does not, have, for us, it doesn't have to be a formal date. We are both energized going to see friends together. And that feels like we're building connectedness because we're all conversing for a long time or going for a drive and listening to music. Or again, we love to do that. So intentionality there. And then we really, you know, one thing we've fallen out of because we've been in ministry in some capacity since we got married is we kind of took a really much needed breather when we got here to Colorado and processed a lot of pain. We both didn't even know we had specifically him. And I think for us getting into a spiritual rhythm together for 2019 is going to be super important. We're like, okay, we're both allotting two hours a month to therapy each and eight hours, obviously, to church, whereas we kind of slipped out of that and we hadn't been going to church together. And we, we kind of were like, we need to kind of get into a routine for the new year. I don't think, you know, church is the end all be all of signifying my relationship with God, but it is something that we do enjoy together and is life giving for our marriage and building our connectedness with God together versus apart. And so we are, our struggle is that we can be really independent. And so we have to work to be more intentional to do things together. All that to say in short form. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I really loved all of this because you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but I 110% relate to that. My husband and I can both be very independent. Again, I, the majority of the work that I do is from home, like thank God. But at the same time, you have to know how to set boundaries to stop working. So a lot of the time, quote unquote, spending time together can look like him coming home and being tired and 
me sitting on the couch and us watching a movie while actually I'm responding to emails. And then he slips on his phone because I'm on my phone. And it's just so easy to turn what looks like connectedness and what looks like intentionality into not at all, you know? So I just like, thank you for being open and transparent about that because I feel like that's a, a thing. I mean, marriage is work. Marriage is hard work. I mean, they're, they're really amazing, fruitful times. But if you do not work at it and if you're not intentional about setting rhythms within it um, to take care of it and one another and yourself, it is so easy to slip away and just become roommates. And my husband and I have talked about that. And I'm sure there are a lot of people out there just taking a deep breath and being like, wow, thank you. I'm, you know, not the only one out there because I mean, we live on a very, in a very digital world and we get to show the parts of our lives that look really curated and beautiful. And, you know, sometimes I even find myself wondering like, man, like they have such a connection, at least what I see through this picture. And then I start thinking about how my husband and I struggle with that in this season. And, you know, everyone does struggle in their own way. So thanks for just reminding us that we're not alone in in that and it does you know behind the scenes you guys are taking the time to either set goals to be intentional or like recognizing that you need to do it more yeah and I think one thing me and David realize is lack of intention can be just as painful as bad intentions and so sometimes we don't even have bad intentions towards each other we're both pretty positive people we're both pretty like I love you I think you're amazing but then we slip into these seasons because we're just not intentional at all and that sometimes results in more pain than bad intentions for us where we both feel like neglected or disconnected or whatever and so you know I that is I think I think playing the long game in marriage is getting comfortable with like different seasons, but like being intentional as each season shifts to like make the most out of, you know, every kind of new gosh season. (laughs) I've said it so many, the the same word so many times, but um, because, you know, things are going to change, you know, when David's out of school, we're going to be, have a, a much different distribution of time for us and glory to God. I cannot wait, but it kind of even hit me the other day of, wow, you know, he works 20 20 to 25 hours a week and then is home doing homework the rest of the time. And I'm going to really miss him being home with me. He probably won't be. And so these are the everything I can't wait for in the sense of, you know, our budget changing, you know, some of the pressure shifting off of me, more stability with his stuff since I'm the self-employed one. You know, the trade-off will be as, man, I don't, I don't have him home with me all the time. And I love like kind of being around, even if we're not intentional and hanging out, we're around each other a lot of the day. And so that'll be a trade-off and we'll have to adjust in that season as well. And that will probably look a lot more like me having a more structured work schedule. Cause right now I'm like, oh, he's working Sunday night. I want to work four to 10. You know, like I, that's a great day to answer emails when no one else is, e- I'm not getting 40 emails while I'm sending 30, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And that's so, it's so important that I think you that you went through that and just, you know, reminded people that these rhythms for for marriage, when we're talking in, in the sense of marriage, um, can look different for everyone because just like you said earlier about how you had a really rigid way of practicing your spiritual life, I think in marriage we can be like, oh, we have to set a date night in order to connect. Like we, we have to do that once a week or twice a month because that's what culture, society tells us to do. And if we're not doing that, then we're failing. So I think it's nice to just be able to look at your marriage and be like, what what rhythms will work for us that will be like super life-giving for our marriage and allow us to feel connection? Because like personally for my husband and I going out to eat and seeing a movie is not connectedness for us like it's just not you know I I don't really I don't really enjoy that and I think it's just like you go through the motions of it at this point and for us you know like you guys like car drives for us it's I like experiences you know yes I love experiences yeah so I think that's really cool just for people to just to remind people, like, look at your marriage, see what it needs, see what is life-giving for you guys, and just give yourself, I think one of the most, and you've, you've talked about this, you just haven't really, you've shown this and so well through your words, but giving yourself the permission to set rhythms and fail. Yes. Um, and for them not to work and not to get down on yourself, but be like, okay, that didn't work. 
what did I learn from it and what can I do differently and not to give up in that sense. So the very last category we're going to talk about in relating to these rhythms are your work and any dream or goal-related rhythms. And I say we're gonna put these in one category because they do relate to one another, but you did share on Instagram the other day about a new dream that you have that you're working on. So I want you to share about that as well. Okay, I think the dream you're talking about is writing a book, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I have 47 every day. I've um, had dreams since 10 o'clock this morning. Yeah, I was like, okay. I'm missing something. Okay, <laughs> um, your big, your big new dream that you just talked about. Yeah. So for me, rhythms with work. Again, I kind of mentioned this. Is I am like I can be super compulsive, and like when I like something, I like it all the time. My husband has told me over and over again, honey, like work shouldn't be your hobby. Like you need to find a true hobby. And so. What does that even mean? Do what? I'm like, oh my gosh, what does that even mean? I know. I'm like, but this is my hobby. This is fun. This is my dream coming true. And so, you know, I, I've, I've learned over the years. I think you have moments of clarity when you are building a business where you something happens that's probably usually painful and you realize this isn't the most important thing. And so thankfully, you know, I don't like pain, but thankfully over the course of, you know, four years of building out my online space, but really like, you know, only a few years of running an online business, I, I've had these moments of clarity where I'm like, this is not the most important thing. It is a huge facet of my life, but the people around my table are the most important thing. And so I really have had to get in rhythms of work of just not working all the time, essentially. I do like to batch my content. So I like to maybe record a podcast. I, I changed my calendar to only accept one podcast recording a week. It will show that my calendar is full if people are trying to book it outside of that because I realized, oh, I'm not the person who wants to batch 60 episodes in four days. No, thank you. Um, that's exhausting. I don't end up coming to the table of a of an interview or a conversation with the fullness of who I am and able to serve them well through conversation. That works for some people, but that is not life-giving for me. It becomes, it makes the very fun thing that I love life-sucking. So like shifting things, I'm really measuring like the parts of work that are life-giving, the parts that are life-sucking. Of course, we're going to all have tedious tasks that we don't like to do and we've got to do them like we're grown-ups but if I can delegate some of them or if I can reposition them and maybe make the the workload more moderate and lighter by by spacing it out that is so much better and so I'm always like measuring and assessing what I'm doing with my work to make it more life-giving as I do it because again we're all gonna like it's not fun to sit and answer emails for two hours and then then with writing you know, the publishing world is really slow and, and we all hear that over and over and over again. And so that has been something where I'm used to like thinking up something and launching it. Like I'm a dreamer and a doer and I will get it done. So that has been a just different journey of like, oh, everything is not on my timeline. I am not in control. And I, I don't think of myself as liking to be in control, but I guess I realized I don't like to be out of control. And so, um, are you a wing eight? I can't tell. <laughs> I think I am. a. I thought I was a wing eight for a long time because of how my work style is. And I like, I get it done and I can present as having a wing eight, but the anxiety and fear I experience are very wing six ish. You know, it's like final destination up in my mind at all times. So, you know, the playing out of worst case scenario all the time is very six-ish. So I can't tell all that to say. So getting in new rhythms with my work has meant, you know, batching my content so that I can really do my best work in spurts. Um, and then it's also meant like kind of being more open-handed and letting things evolve and change. I'm in a season with work right now where I feel like God is transitioning me into something next, but I can't see it. So I have to be really open-handed. I have no idea what's next. And so I've been having this conversation a lot lately. And I, I think that I even got some advice from Allie Worthington. I interviewed her the other day and she kind of said, you know, sometimes a door closes and you have to be obedient with that first before God will even show you what's next. And usually what's next is better, but like making peace with the hard part that happens first usually, and that's a door closing. And so 
what does that look like? How do you thrive in that season of the unknown and be open-handed and still run your business when it's scary and you're like, I have no idea what's next. And so that's kind of been quite a journey because I, I think I thought, oh, the hard part of your business is the front end when you're getting it off the ground. But I was recommended a book by her, Seth Godin, The Dip, where, and and I've seen this, like my parents have, we have a small family business. Like I understand there are dips, but I think I just thought naively the front end of business is the hardest and it's only up from there. But of course there are going to be dips and changes and it's not a linear progression of greatness all the time. There's going to be pivots and changes and it's like a maze and and what you do might evolve and that might affect the bottom line and what your finances look like. Like all of that's tied together and that can be scary. And so I've really had to set a lot of mental rhythms of how I respond to changes with my work in regards to my rhythms and in my career. That is so, 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 so good and such valuable information, especially, I mean, I, I just want to give a shout out to all of the, all of the parents that are entrepreneurs <laughs> that we got to learn from. My parents are small business owners too. And um, I think that was really cool to grow up and see, but also just like you were talking about interviewing Allie, just the fact that there are so many business owners, dreamers and doers out there that are willing to share their story and the fact that it is not just hard at the beginning, it's not just hard at the end, it's not just hard during this season, it can be hard throughout it all, you know? And um, I think that makes you all the more valuable because you do run, you've launched a new program this year called Dream to Done, where you take dreamers through a process of launching their dreams, correct? And you, throughout this year, I mean, you've shared with me that you, you've had to undergo some pivots and some changes, like things that could really alter your finances and just your business in general. And you've had to learn how to pivot and have a positive mindset and give things to God and allow others to speak into your life and come alongside and help you. And I just think that makes you all the more valuable because you're able to now go back to those people that you are serving so well and be like, hey, I'm not just giving you this dream to done message. Like, you know, my my journey hasn't been, oh, I had this dream. It was beautiful. And look, this is how I did it. And everything's great. You're able to give them that real tangible information and the reality of it because you've actually had to live it. So I just think that is really awesome. And it's important um, if you are going to invest your money in, in your time and your talents into someone that you invest it into people like you who have actually lived through so many seasons of business and can give real practical advice from those seasons and how you operated within them. Well, thank you. I feel like I'm, you know, learning the hard way. I think we all are. You know, I, I think I was listening to a Dak Shepherd podcast. He's like my favorite right now. And he was like, why would anyone want to be a CEO? Like, that's really hard. And I thought, oh, you know, some moments I, I'm like, that's, that's, I can't imagine not because I'm so freedom oriented. I love the ability to create what I want to create and release it into the world and run a business around it and help others to do the same. But then I realized, Oh, like I, I picked the hard path. Like I, I didn't even think that I, I think I can sometimes naively be like, well, this is the most fun path because I get what I want. But I think simultaneously, I, it is the fun path, but it's also the hard one and it's both. And, and so that has been interesting for me to even realize is like, Oh, freedom and fun come at a cost of risk and fear. And so that has just been something I've been realizing lately of like, okay, like with risk comes a lot of joy, but it also a lot of fear comes with it. And so that has been, and it's been an interesting season for me. And I think you, it feels like you're standing on the edge of a cliff about to jump off and jump into what's next. And it, it that's exciting and fun, but I'm also scared of heights. And so it's not so exciting and fun, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes at the top of that cliff, we can, like, there's two, two directions that you can jump like off of that cliff. Sometimes, you know, we get paralyzed wondering what, which direction is the best, or do we stay on the cliff or do we jump? And I think that you can give a real testament and um, something I've learned as well, just through the last couple of years of life is, man, it doesn't, 
matter so much as to the best choice that you make. Just knowing that no matter what, like God does not remove his hand of blessing or protection, no matter which way you jump or if you decide to do it at all. So I think that's just super cool as well. But okay, so I've asked you, I've, I've gone through each like major section of life where I feel like rhythms are super, super important for people to hear from. So we're just going to end with three really fun questions because I kind of want to know these things about you. And I mean, they're just fun questions. So what is the best book you've read this year? Oh man. Um, you know, I think I've been in a fiction space this year. I have just really enjoyed stories. I've done a lot of learning over time. Okay, I'll give you a few. So for fiction, I loved Where'd You Go, Bernadette so much. I loved Crazy Rich Asians. It was like my deep love of Real Housewives and my global studies degree all mixed in one. And so those are like the fun, funny ones. But also I loved Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown because I think like, again, no one's immune to pain. If you're having a season in paradise, woohoo. But we're all going to have a wilderness at some point. And so just like, how do you survive it? How do you be brave? How do you have joy and thrive? And I really, I, I mean, I think I'm about to reread it. Awesome. It was so that, good. Yeah, I, I've never read one of her books, but I mean, I read quotes by her on Instagram all the time. And yeah. Like, Man, I need to get my hands on one of this one, one of these books because this woman is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll have to pick that one up after I'm done reading the three that I'm simultaneously reading now, which is a really bad idea. Well, she's she's so good in embrace. Not all of them. She might she might read all of them herself now, but she does read that herself, which I really like. And so I think that is it's you can like hear her tone and all of that as as she reads it, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, I love that. That is good. If you could give one piece of advice to someone launching their dream, what would the golden nugget of wisdom be? I think stay the course like it's going to get hard. And and like launching your dream is not for the faint of heart, but what you reap and the reward of doing it anyways. Like I think I used to like, well, I'll, I'll finish that line of thought. It It's worth it. And so for me, I remember the quote, feel the fear and do it anyways. And I was like, that's dumb. Fear is not from God. And that was a, like a really naive, judgmental, out of touch line of thinking for me. And so, I, I mean, I was like, gosh, that quote is lame. And I don't even know why these, these Christians do not know kingdom. And they do not know the character of God. Like fear is not of God, whatever. So like on my high horse. And then I really started navigating a lot of fear because the deeper you get into your dream, the more is on the line. You know, even now, a few years into my business, it's not just my dream on the line. It's that I have people that are on my payroll that I hear about their day-to-day -day lives. Like I need to pay them. And I committed to that. That is stewardship. And so, you know, for me, the fear has not gone away but I've learned to do it anyways. I think Jessica Honiger has um, a book called Imperfect Courage and a podcast called Going Scared. And I think the more I've grown up in this space, the more I realize the fear is not going to go away. It's actually going to come in waves, but I'm going to do it anyways. And so just knowing like no matter where you are in your journey, if you're just getting started, if you're in the trenches, if you're on a mountaintop, like it's valid to feel fear, but to keep going. Yeah, because even when we're having like um, you might experience this too, because your your greatest fear was that the rug was going to be pulled out from under you. But even when we're on the mountaintop and we're feeling so great, I have those that limiting and fearful mindset that oh my gosh, like this is too good to be true, you know. So it can come at all different times. One hundred percent. I've definitely felt that it's too good to be true. Something's going to happen. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, the last question is, what are you most excited for in the new year, in 2019? I think I'm excited to learn to thrive in every season, to learn to be unmoved by whether it's a good time or a hard time in business. I, I want to be able to thrive no matter what. Plenty of people are happier living on less. 
And so I want to not fixate on money. When I find myself getting anxious about money or what's next, I find I've started using grounding techniques of like the sky is blue, the mountains are beautiful, there's snow on the ground, like thinking through very present moment things because I probably will get to a place in life that's harder and look back and think these were the easy times and be like, why did I waste it being stressed? And so how do I thrive and not let that consume my mind? I find that when I don't look at my spreadsheets tracking all my finances, I'm actually like in a better place, but I can't do that. Like I've got to run my business and look at that stuff. And so again, how do I thrive without digging my head in the sand and still being aware, but also being like, this is not going to rule my life, the, you know, where my spreadsheet is at today. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a huge lover of words. So I love that you keep using the word thrive and instead of just like survive the season that you're in, because to thrive really means to prosper and flourish. So even if you're in like a hard season, which you've just recently experienced, like you're in a hard season or, you know, pivoting in in business. And even when you're in those, what, what can feel like a pit, you can thrive in how you allow your mindset to still be beautiful you know, or you could just be in like a really ugly place and just still just practice gratitude. And I've got to see you do that. And it's, it's been, it's been really cool. So I really love that you keep using that word. Um, And that's what you're most excited for. But this has been so much fun. It's been an honor just to be able to uh, listen to your wisdom and ask you all of these fun questions. Oh, you know, I love talking to you. It has been so much fun. I'm so thankful. I always love our conversations and just thank you for just spending time with me today. And as we talked about all of our words, I was like, we need to do this together. This is so fun. And so thank you for spending time with me today. Yeah, it's been, it's been so great. And I hope that this just really blesses and encourage, encourages anyone out there in any season um, that they're in to pick a word and just sit down and develop some rhythms. Thank you for joining me today, Carson. This was a blast. (laughs) Thank you, Kelsey. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. As a pro, the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is the Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site. Whenever you say, visit homedepot.com delivery. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Professional painters know waiting between coats for trim, doors, and cabinets to dry is time out of your day and money out of your pocket. Bare Premium Cabinet and Trim Enamel from The Home Depot lets you finish faster. With excellent flow and leveling, it dries to the touch in one hour. And less dry time means less downtime. Bare Premium Cabinet and Trim Enamel, just $39.98 a gallon. And that's before the Pro Extra Discount, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Available in-store and online.